Okay, so prayer and prophecy. Um, just a little, I trust, a booster for us at the outset. Um, up on the screen, there's, look at all these verses in the book of Acts on prayer. Why don't you just turn to any two of these verses? Just pick two. And then I'm going to read through just a little sentence from each verse, uh, all of them. And I just want us to hear the, the sweep of prayer in the book of Acts. It's not an exhaustive list. So in Acts 1, with one accord, they devoted themselves to prayer. That was a gathering of believers. So I'm just thinking about the days ahead, um, of the, the many different things that we could spend a lot of time doing. Should prayer be right up there? Well, let's, let's see. With one accord, they devoted themselves to prayer. Isn't that great? It's often five minutes into a prayer session or 25 minutes in that we just need fresh devotion. That we're going to devote ourselves to praying again. 2.42, they devoted themselves to prayer. The D word again, devotion to prayer. 4.31, when they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Yeehaw. Things get shaken through prayer. In chapter 6, they, I'm paraphrasing, explaining, they appointed deacons so that the apostles, we think doubling up as elders, so that the leaders could devote themselves to the word and to prayer. That's, um, That's challenging to me. When we appoint new leaders in the church, is it so that we've got more time and energy freed up for prayer. Twelve six. Earnest prayer was made to God by the church. Earnest prayer. So instructive for us. 13.3. After praying and fasting. They laid their hands on them and sent them off. We're going to be doing a fair bit of that. Laying hands on. It's an elementary doctrine. It's a, it's a wonderful thing that God has put in place that we can lay hands on each other and send off and and commit one another to to the Lord. 1423, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord. 16, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing. The gathering of the Ephesian elders in Miletus, chapter 20, they prayed on the beach together. Details not given. But they knelt and prayed on the beach. And uh, many more in Acts, but we could go on to the epistles. There's a remarkable number of references to prayer in the epistles. So here's the bottom line. I'm thinking the early church understood prayer in a way that we don't. It was just so part and parcel of, of who, they, who they were. It was dynamic, and the pattern seemed to be prayer, breakthrough, prayer, breakthrough, prayer breakthrough. So two questions in terms of thinking of corporate prayer. Question number one, is it really time best spent? I'm thinking about the next few days, thinking about when we're back in our churches, when we gather as advanced leadership gatherings in the next year ahead. Is it really 
time well spent in prayer because there is an opportunity cost. Every 15 minutes that we spend on prayer, it's 15 minutes less that we could be preaching the word. It's 15 minutes less than we could be hearing testimony, stories from each other. The answer is yes. Prayer gives an outstanding return. Dave Holden, known to some of you, he said this. I was at a gathering recently with him. He said, prayer is to encounter God's presence. Prayer is to worship God. Prayer is to have our perspective change from doubt to faith. Prayer, to pray, is to be filled with hope, reminded of truth, freshly energized. Prayer lifts burdens, provides solutions, causes faith to rise, reminds you of promises, makes you dependent on God, and frees you from anxiety. (laughs) Prayer is a very good thing to do. Question two, how can we pray in a spirit-fueled manner? Pray in the spirit, says Paul. Pray in the understanding, pray in the spirit, singing the understanding, sing in the spirit. What does it mean to um, pray in a spirit-fueled way? Well, firstly, it's very encouraging that the Bible advocates spirit-empowered prayer because it immediately takes the element of, oh, this is really hard work out of it. If it's, if it's energized by the spirit, pray in the spirit. It's, I want to do that. So it's a very good question to ask. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? I think there's different answers. I think at the the most simple level, it refers to praying in tongues. If you can pray in tongues, it refers to praying in tongues. When Paul says, I pray in the Spirit and pray in the understanding, I think that's pretty obviously talking about tongues. Because when you pray in tongues, your mind is unfruitful. You don't know what you're, you're praying. So it's praying in tongues, but more generally, it's praying in a spirit-empowered way, which is a very energizing, fun way to pray. What does it mean to pray in a spirit-empowered way? I think a number of things, but specifically, I think it means to enjoy the prophetic gift during times of prayer. It's to pray in a way that is, is directed by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit usually directs prayer in a manner that I would describe as prophetic, a prophetic gift. Um, prophecy is God. Remember, tongues, the tongues interpretation, 1 Corinthians 14 says, is uh, man speaking to God. Prophecy is God speaking to man, and it will never be in a non-biblical way. It may be a-biblical. Most commonly, it will be in a biblical, using Scripture directly. But it will be God, uh, through His Spirit, speaking to man. And in a prayer context, that's God, through His Holy Spirit, helping us know what to pray and how to pray. And just moving to experience, I find that, that prayer meetings, prayer moments even, that involve prophetic activity are terrific. I can't, I, I can't get enough of them. You, you can find, you know, when Jesus said, could you not tarry one hour? It's very easy to tarry an hour in prayer if there is the energy of the Spirit through prophetic direction. And when, when we pray prophetically and when we have prophetic words intermingled with prayers, it, prayer goes from one-way dialogue, which you'll know from any relationship is a bit boring, 
to two-way dialogue and God showing us things. Wow, that is so encouraging and interesting or even slightly, it's, even if there's a warning component to it. But then we pray into that and the whole thing's alive and uh, dynamic, a dynamic dialogue. It's accurate, it's poignant, and it's full of faith. So let's move from prayer, the importance of prayer, which we see from Scripture and know from experience is vitally important, something we should devote ourselves to, to thinking about prophecy. And I'm thinking particularly prophecy within prayer, prayer within uh, prophecy. What do we learn about prophecy from the Bible? Because it's very biblical. Uh, well, here's a few scriptures up on the screen. Could we go first to uh, 1 Corinthians 14, please? Let's see what the Bible has to say. Uh, I'll do it over here, actually. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 to 5. Uh, please, could someone read it out? And don't mind if I interrupt you a little bit. Let's just get some learnings on, on prophecy. Okay, who's up? Read it. Yep. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Okay, let's just stop there. So we just must hear what the Apostle Paul in the Word of God is saying. Pursue, what was the other word? Eagerly desire? Earnestly pursue, be earnest in the spiritual gifts, uh, especially. We've got, we've got pursue, earnest, especially. I'm, I'm uh, thinking that when the Apostle Paul says especially, we should just stop and log that, right? Especially prophecy. You've got the Apostle Paul saying especially prophecy. I wonder why. Please read on. Okay, stop upbuilding. Uh, next word. Upbuilding, encouragement, and. Consolation. Come on, yes. Keep read on. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Builds up the church. So, as pastors and leaders, are we called to. Build up the church. Yeah. Are we called to upbuild, encourage, and console? Yeah. I mean, that's our job description, is it not? And there's this lethal weapon we have, this glorious tool given to us from heaven called prophecy that does the very stuff that we've been called to do and we want to do. And with the Bible's telling us, prophecy does that. So I'm thinking if we can tap into what prophecy is more and avoid the weird components, and, 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 but, but I don't want to land there. Where Paul lands is pursue, be earnest, especially. He doesn't start with, I'm a charismatic with a seatbelt. He starts with drive fast. You know, maybe have, have airbags. But he doesn't start with, oh, this can go very, very wrong. He starts with, this is a wonderful, wonderful, glorious gift. Is there any more, more to go? Rekha? Um, I think it's just, 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 I think it's just,
want you to all now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Even more. He's a maniac. <laughs> even more. Is that end of verse five? No. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, oh. unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Okay. Now my limited time we're not doing tongues and interpretation, we're doing prophecy. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, Romans 12, verse 6 um, says, He who prophesies, let him uh, prophesy according to his level of faith. We've got it there in that list of gifts. 1 Thessalonians 5 is um, uh, hold far, uh, eager, eagerly, do not quench the, the Holy Spirit. Do not despise prophesying, test all things, hold fast to what is good. So again, the, the, it's not charismatic with a seatbelt. Not that I'm thinking we shouldn't be careful, stewards of the gifts of the Spirit, but it's eagerly desire. Uh, test everything, hold fast to what is good. Um, let's get uh, back to Corinthians. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11. Please, could we just read the first couple of verses? Um, Emily, are you up for that? Thanks. We know this passage fairly well, so we won't read all the verses. Okay, this is excellent. He's saying concerning spiritual gifts, like prophecy, I don't want you to go, oh, I don't really know about that. I don't want you to be uninformed. Yeah? Okay, thanks. I think we'll, we'll call that one quits there. Um, can we go, Emily, can you go to 11, verse 4 to 5, and then 14, 31? So chapter 11, 4 to 5. Great, okay, stop. No one's allowed to worry now about women and head coverings and, and things. We're talking about prophecy. But just listen to these two phrases that Paul uses. Please read it again. Okay. Okay, thanks. No, that's, that's great. So he's talking, you know, he's talking about these things that we're not talking about in this session. But he illustrates saying, you know, when a man prays and prophesies, da, 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 and when a woman prays and prophesies, it's just we pray and prophesy, we prophesy and pray. It's what we do. The two so often go together, and we just do it so much. It's a great illustration. Prayer and prophecy, they go together. He mentions them twice, just by way of illustrating something else. So we're going to say um, expected. New Testament biblical Christianity anticipates prayer and prophecy, prophecy and prayer. The two go together. We do them so much, we mention them often. Okay. Um, 1431. Emily, you're our girl. Keep going. <laughs> Okay, once more. It's just great. He uses the word all several times. You can all prophesy. Paul is he's, he's very interesting on spiritual gifts. You catch him in these chapters saying, oh, only go for three. Keep it tidy. And there are other times like this, he's saying, but you can all do it. 
He seems at great pains to be promoting freedom, everyone but safety and dignity. So again, it's expected. You can all prophesy. There's There's a way of, there's a type of prophecy, it seems, that we can all do. I think there's a whole range of prophecy. Um, some of it seems to be at a, a level that not everyone can do, but this verse tells us that we can all, all prophesy to some degree. Uh, 14, 24 to Okay, so this one I'm just going wow about. There is a type of prophecy that we can all do, we've just heard. There's a type of prophecy he mentions here that does the very thing we want to happen with unbelievers. And I think believers, although he's talking about unbelievers, do we not want unbelievers to fall down and say God is truly amongst you and be cut to the heart and so on? So that's a type of prophecy that I don't know enough about. And we need more of it, but I don't quite know how to get it myself, so... Some of you could work it out and tell us it would be great. Powerful. What a glorious gift this is. Especially prophesy. I'm thinking, wow, yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, 29 to 33. Let's just go ordered, dignified, powerful, expected, ordered, dignified. All can play. So we must all be informed. Pursue earnestly, especially prophecy. It builds up, it upbuilds, it encourages, it consoles. What a wonderful gift. Let me close with a couple of um, practical tips on this. And I do appreciate um, it's every man and woman for themselves and and I'll be sharing kind of how it works for me. Please, it needs to work for you in your context and, and uh, personality and so on. Uh, in thinking in terms of how to bring a prophetic word in a meeting. And, and uh, I mean, there's so much to say, and I know you know a lot of it. But on, on, on the right spectrum of prof- prophetic words, you've got, you've got pretty straightforward, biblical, timiest, timely encouragements that don't need much weighing. Ryan, the Lord wants you to know that he loves you and he's faithful to you. He's got you. In the next season ahead, he's got you. What I'm doing is I'm prophesying Bible. It's absolutely true. It'd be true for anybody, but it comes in a way that's personal and poignant and it's God's word to me. It doesn't need too much weighing. Then you've got other ones, which we've heard about, need a fair bit of weighing especially if there's two or three of them. Hey, we need to weigh that. 
And that would be more directive words for a movement, a church, uh, or an individual. Talking briefly about bringing a, a prophetic word in, in, a, in a meeting. And you may think of Sunday meetings, you may think of leaders' meetings, prayer meetings, these meetings. Just adjust it for your context. Um, I, am, I try to be alert both before the meeting and in the moment. So, like, building up to this week ahead or to uh, this coming Sunday. I'm preaching at a church here in, in the UK. When I'm just around and reading scripture and listening to people and singing songs, I'm not obsessively thinking, I need a prophetic word for Sunday. Or I need a prophetic word for tomorrow morning's meeting here at this gathering. That's not it at all. But I'm just... I've just got an antenna up near the back of my mind, the back of my spirit, that I'm just alert to hear something or feel a prophetic sense or to read something in Scripture. I'm just alert to, I trust it's the Holy Spirit saying, that could be very helpful in that context on Sunday. And then if I get that, I don't decide I'm going to bring it. I just keep it in my mind or in my notebook and I'm, as I get nearer, I'll be more and more alert and ready and aware, and then I'll see if it fits in the moment. So I'm, I'm alert building up. I'm also alert in the moment. And some of us are more like this. By personality, we're more spontaneous, and you feel things more, and you're more in the moment. Others of us are more get prepared and bring it. Both, both work. But in a meeting... I'll be uh, sometimes triggered by a line in a song. So we're singing a song, and sometimes a theme of a song or a line in a song just grips me a bit. And, and, and you kind of learn, I think, as you go, or I'm still learning, whether it's just for me, it's gripping, wow, Lord, that's wonderful truth. But sometimes it grips me in a way that it's hard to explain, but I just feel I want everyone to get that. And that would, that would be the first indicator, maybe the, maybe the theme is um, the faithfulness of God in a song. Some, some weeks I'm just singing the faithfulness of God, and other times I'm singing it, I'm thinking, there's, wow, we, God really wants us to get this. And so I'd come to whoever's leading the meeting or whatever, and I'd say, can I, can I bring something after this song in the same theme as this song about God's faithfulness? I just want to underline it. So maybe from a line in a song. It's uh, maybe from some, something that someone else brings. So I don't know if it was, Vic, was it when I was bringing my word, it triggered something in you? That's often how it happens as well. So if someone's bringing a word, and sometimes you'll feel it triggers something, come, come quickly. We may not be able to fit you in, but it's, it's often a trigger. It can be a scripture in the moment or, or previously. In fact, that's very often with me what, what happens. And wonderfully, because we're a Bible people, very often people in our churches or in meetings like this will come and say, I've got a, a scripture. And um, either they can just read it or I say, why don't you turn that into a prophecy? Why don't you speak it as, as God would be, be speaking it to us to, just to bring, bring up a poignancy to the moment? It could be an image. Sometimes I... Just get images. So I had one a few weeks ago about a chessboard. And I don't play chess. don't particularly like chess. Um, chessboard. And I didn't immediately think, oh. I've... But it was just there in the sort of first song. And by about the third song, I just percolated on. I was still worshipping. I was still alert. I'm not obsessed with my little prophetic word. 
Prophecy is for the building up of the body. You know, it's not for my own good. So you, you, you hold it loosely, but deliberately. Um, but, the, but I felt as we went along that um, God wanted to say to some people who were in a real corner that it's never checkmate in me. And that didn't come initially. It was just the, just the, the board did. Lord, what are, you, what are you saying here? I felt it really strong. I, felt, I kind of felt angry with the devil that, that he had some children of God who just felt they were in a corner and there was no way out. That, that was, there's never checkmate in God. And I brought it and it was helpful. Someone else brought it and then we sung again. It was, it was sweet. Sometimes I see an object... Uh, and you've got to be careful with this, because if you look around the room, you'll, you'll always see a plug, right? A plug point. You'll want to prophesy about the Trinity or whatever it is. Be, be careful. But there can just be something in the room that, that triggers it. Um, it can be, you can see a little drama. Like I was at the back of um, a church, and um, <laughs> there was a, a father ticking off his little daughter, and she was really resisting it. And honestly, I'm not wandering around looking for demons or prophetic words, but it just, that just got me. And it was like, oh God, I'm sometimes like that. No, no. And I resist your kind discipline. I mean, what, what a foolish little girl that was. And that, in, in, all in the moment, just rushed in on me. I thought, oh, I'm like her. Father, you're like, and I thought, actually, that's fantastic. I think there's other people who need to hear that. So that was a, seeing a little people, people drama. And, and sometimes I'll see it and think, oh, no, that's just, it's just silly or a bit lightweight. Or Sometimes I think I've got the world's greatest prophetic word and it just doesn't fit in the meeting. I sent the world's greatest prophetic word to Sean Craig. He's a guy in St. Louis who's joining us on Thursday. Um, it was like a really awesome word. And um, it was, it was, I'd, I'd seen him. It was, I actually had a dream about him. I don't often get dreams. The dream was that um, he had traded in his kind of kick-ass big-wheel truck. He drives a real Midwest truck. And he had traded that in for this little on-road tame vehicle. And um, I, 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 I love the guy. I'm praying for him. I Skype with him often. And so I sent him this by email saying, I had this dream. And I feel it's the Lord saying, don't get domesticated uh, you're built to go off-road. You're designed to take bumps. Um, you're not designed for us, and the Lord wants to encourage you. So I e emailed this off to him, thinking it was me at my finest, you know. <laughs> Humbly, Lord, at my finest. And so he emailed back saying, bro, there's no way I'm giving you my truck. <laughs> Love, Sean. <laughs> so he just went in one ear, out the other. He thought, I'm moving to the States, you know. Could he give me his truck? And um, anyway, see, we hold it lightly, right? It's for the building up of the body. You know the walk of shame? Uh, Howard, you know the walk of shame, don't you, Howard? You, you are the walk of shame. You've got the word that's going to bring God into the meeting. And you, you say to Steve, and he says, I don't think we have time for this. And you, you, you know? So we hold it lightly. We, we should have put up on this 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 board that prophecy is for the building up oh we did building up of the body the building up of, of, of others so hold it lightly um, what about how do you bring a word so it'll come to you in different ways how do you bring a word usually 
I remind myself, bring it shorter than I would like. Just bring it shorter. Don't, don't say how you got it. Just bring it, you know, <laughs> and keep it shorter. Uh, bring it cheerfully. Um, it upbuilds, it encourages, and it consoles. Now, it can warn, but even if you're bringing a, a word with a bit of warning, I still think it should be done in a cheerful um, spirit. Bring it cheerfully. Bring it with an appropriate tone. So we don't want a flatline emotion. We want an appropriate tone. You know, like when you're preaching, if you're preaching a certain passage, it's appropriate that your tone fits that. If you're preaching another passage, it's appropriate that your tone fits that. Bring it in a way that is appropriate. Um, but as a rule, um, uh, weeping and um, shrieking are out. Um, bring it naturally, with emotion, but bring it naturally. And uh, I often bring it with help. So sometimes I'll say to someone next to me, I'm, I'm just feeling this, or I've got this, this image of a chessboard, and I don't really know where to go with it or what to do with it. Or, and and it, just a little comment from someone else can help, just very quickly help shape it. Um, turning to prophecy in prayer times, prayer meetings, so we're not thinking up at the front, with, we're talking in groups of three, four, or five, or one-on-one -on -one, uh, in prayer times. Um, usually for me, um, I'm not very good at bringing a prophetic word to someone in prayer unless I'm in a group, but I get stimulated in a group. Like Just me praying for Steve can be nice, but a bit hard work. But if Anna and Donnie and Jill and Steve, we're praying, we're praying for Steve, then from out of other prayers, I find I'm able to sort of trampoline off them. And it's just one, it's the body of Christ in action. Wish we had time to talk about tongues and interpretation because it's such a, it's such a team gift that, you know. But prophecy, I think, is a, is a team gift as well. Um, so I like to do it in team. Also, um, I find that usually... For me, I need to start praying something general for Steve before I get something specific. And I can, we, we can, you can pray a long time, general prayers. I mean, we've got a whole wonderful book here. <laughs> you know, I know the Bible quite well. I know Steve quite well. I can pray for a long time just praying biblical, circumstantial, situational prayers. That's wonderful. But I find that when I start praying general prayers like that for him... I feel tugged in a certain direction. It may be that I get an image, or I'm reminded of a scripture, or a song, or something that Anna prays. I just feel a bit of an intensity about. You just, I, I, I think that's how the Holy Spirit's pulling me, tugging me. And I said, Steve, I particularly want to pray for this for you. Maybe I had, it wasn't on my radar at all to pray that he would know courage in a certain situation. But as I pray generally, I feel... I just start to feel, no, he needs courage. Often, often I feel like that, and that's a sign I want to pray for faith or, or courage for someone. Sometimes you'll just feel, you'll feel particularly tender as you're praying for someone. Now you'll be praying for um, Riggs and Sue. You don't know them very well. You'll find yourself in their prayer group tomorrow or the next day. You'll just find yourself feeling really tender. Don't just think, I'm hormonal, <laughs> you know, or jet-lagged. Just stay open. That, that could be just, just the Holy Spirit, just helping you know what direction to pray in. 
And uh, final slide, um, a few tips on developing a prophetic culture in a local church. Um, just thoughts, ideas. It can be good to have one elder who, who is kind of champion, prophetic champion. It doesn't mean they're the, the, the one who's always prophesying. But what, what we're saying is we want to be especially, especially prophesy. So why don't we say to one elder who's suitably gifted, please make sure our fire doesn't die down in this area. As an eldership and as a church, please keep provoked. Give them permission uh, to provoke. It can be good to do a quarterly gathering. That's four times a year. It could be twice a year. But you gather a group of people who are interested in the prophetic now, you've got to be careful that this doesn't become an exclusive group. You know the group who really hears God. And that, you know that prayer meeting, that that's where the action really... You don't want any of that. You've got to emphasize that we're building up the body. Don't take yourself too seriously. Even some of the things I've been saying now, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. We want this to be accessible to all, not the elitist gift. Although some will do it in a, in a, in a remarkably amazing way. Maybe to the point that would say that, that that's, that's a prophet, surely. Um, so you want to avoid exclusivity, but it would be to nurture, to equip, uh, to pray, to stimulate. So it might be doing this little teaching that I've done. Just, and then next time you meet, someone else does a teaching on uh, what's a word of wisdom about. How, what a, how do you do words of wisdom and knowledge? You know, is it always the left knee? You know, someone here with a left. What, what do we do? You know, Paul says, pursue <laughs> these amazing gifts. Pursue them. Don't be ignorant. Be, be informed. Well, we need, we need context where we can become more informed. Um, stimulate. Develop. Amen. Um, an annual Ephesians 4, E4 in, injection. Um, so great hearing from Matt and Grace Hosier. They, they are longing for more people to come to Christ, anyone to come to Christ in their church. So they're trying stuff. They're, they've, they're going door to door. They haven't gone door to door for 20 years. They're going door to door. And once a month for how many months? A year. a year. Once a month for a year, they're getting someone in on the last Sunday of each month for a year who has some kind of evangelistic gift to equip the saints and to model it. That's brilliant. And that, that's, we can do that. Some people who are particularly helpful at equipping in the prophetic, uh, equipping in, in the, the whole realm of spirit empowered, get them in. Once a month, once a year. It's great. We've got gifts. We've got different, different parts of the body that can help different parts of the body. Cultivate an honor from the pulpit. So just um, some things I try and do is I just slip in and um, blah, blah, blah. And we were praying. A group of us were praying the other night. Maybe it was elders and wives. So a group of us were praying the other night. And Trudy felt um, in the Lord that we should be emphasizing this more. And we felt it was actually a prophetic word that she was bringing. And you're teaching so much just in that moment that we have prayer meetings that women pray, that women speak, that women prophesy. And we felt that was a prophetic word from God. You're just honoring, we're just honoring the gift of prophecy. 
um, elders assessing words every six months. So maybe the elder champion, um, he can stack, rack, and pack words that are kind of words for the church. You know, there's sometimes words that are words for the moment. And you don't want to wor- need to worry about them. They're just words that help that moment, that meeting. And then there are other words that are more for the church. And um, if you stack them away and read them every three to six months, sometimes you can see, wow, God has actually spoke to us about the same thing four times. That If we hadn't um, stacked, racked, and packed them, we might have missed that because God spoke quietly in four different occasions. But wow, when we've got them there, it can be very useful. Good. Tea time. Strong ending. Thanks, Ash. Yes. <laughs> Strong ending. Well, you know these prophetic types, they can't preach, right? <laughs> Good. Let's just have two minutes of... I promise to answer short if you promise to ask short. Yeah. Any quick questions? Brian. Oh, yeah. Um, decide what person to bring it in. So the third person is, um, Brian, I feel God would say to you that you should do this, and I think he says that. Or sometimes it's nice to intermingle first person, which is, Brian, I think your father in heaven would say to you, my child, my daughter. You know, and, and, and no one's thinking PJ thinks he's God, because I'm speaking for God. They're just speaking. They've set it up in the third and they bring it in the first. And again, you've got to be careful with that because you, you want to prophesy in a way that's most helpful. And if it may be most helpful to stay in the third person. Yeah. Yes. When a prophetic word misses. So we had a cracker the other day, the other year in Joburg. This woman brings her unsaved father. He is so unsaved. Like the unsaved. Of, he's the Philistine of all Philistines. And he was in church, and a prophetic word was brought over him about how you followed the Lord for years. <laughs> and, and it was just... Yeah, so we, we didn't know about that. I think when a word uh, obviously misses, obviously misses, the person who brings it and the person who it's brought to, that just needs to be acknowledged. And I like uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, hold fast to what is good. Don't beat someone up because of what is bad. The emphasis is hold fast to what is good. And what isn't good, just acknowledge it and let it wave goodbye to it, you know. So you do it gently and, and lovingly. And if someone keeps doing that, you, they, then they would need gentle correction. It's like, you know, I think you need to avoid prophesying. Yeah, another thing to say is sometimes prophecy doesn't sound like prophecy. You can have prophetic conversations that you can be preaching in a way that's prophetic. You don't even say, I'm doing prophetic preaching, but we learn those things. Sometimes prayers that, that, that don't sound particularly prophetic are actually very prophetic. Is there someone at the front of a meeting? And as they're bringing it, they... I, 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 
Hey. I think the key things uh, that you want is you want to have talked about it before with your sound desk. So the connection with the sound desk <laughs> yeah, to be able to kill it uh, is important. And normally these kind of things come into worship. So having briefed your worship leader, hey, you need to, we always have an anchoring elder. So if anything goes south, then the, the worship leader can, you know, how great is our God? You know? So I, I think your sound desk and your worship leader are the two options. The third option is you stepping in, but that is a little bit of a bloodbath. So um, those, those other two options are better. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a whole different host of ways you can handle it. The other way is just let them shriek it out and trust, trust your people. And this is really encouraging. So Ash's dad, where he's, um, we don't know if he's yet crossed the line of faith. We, there's wonderful encouragements. But over the years, we keep taking them to church. And usually, we hit the crazy meeting, you know? Just when you, you finally got your unsaved mates there, something crazy happens. There's been a couple of occasions, and I'm not exaggerating, um, when something so off the wall has happened, unfortunately not in the church that we've led, that we've thought this is, this is a train wreck. So one, we were sitting at the back. It was a meeting about this big. We thought we'd sit in the second back row. It was a church we were told about and trustworthy. We got the, the shrieking tongue lady singer sitting behind us, completely insensitive to the corporate worship. She was on her own. I was ticked off. You know, she wasn't, it wasn't the right thing to do. But so she was just going off, right behind us with our unsaved parents-in-law here. So after the meeting, driving home, we said, and what did you make of the meeting? And they made a couple of comments. And we said, what, what about that lady who was um, talking and shrieking in tongues? And he said, he said, oh, that didn't worry me at all. Every community has their nutcakes, their, their fruitcakes. And that was really helpful to us. That, that unbelievers are a lot more generous than we, they say, oh she's the wacky one or he's he's the nut. You know, chances are a hundred people you're going to have one who's. Um, but but he did say. What he did say was, um, but you know I I wasn't particularly comfortable um, with how the meeting was led. We said, what do you mean? He said, well, the person who was leading the meeting and the singing didn't let us know when the song had started and when the song had finished. And it just felt like it was all over the place. So I was fascinated by that. The thing that we thought they would think was weird, they didn't. But casual, unhelpful, insecure leadership, that's, that's what they didn't like. <laughs> okay, brothers, this is just, that was a little exhortation. I hope it will help us in these days. Rigby. want to just put this out there it's not a, it's not a it's an inspiration I think we'll prophesy way better in our churches if we have a missional horizon nice that has clarity so I did this little study in the book of Acts I looked at every supernatural revelatory kind of a thing and it seemed like the prophetic words were always pushing the right. people forward in a certain direction so if you don't have the missional horizon the Thank prophetic you. thing can become quite incestuous and overly pastoral. So I just thought I should throw that out there. That's brilliant. Any other gems like that to throw out before we have tea? So good. Yeah. Good. 
Let's have some tea. We'll be back in here in about 15 minutes.